even if God was going to restore Israel to the Jewish people so that Jesus could come again, it's not going to be at the expense of, of wiping out all sorts of other innocent yeah. people. Like, where's our theology and all of that? Yeah. We can get so focused on all of this eschatological significance and, and all of that stuff in the Bible that we lose the basic value of Jesus' principles, which is to love one another, is to live at peace with one another. And we should really be praying that the Christians, the born-again believers who are living in Israel and Palestine, we should be praying for them that God can use them to bring the message of hope, the message of Christ into a dark, broken, messed up scenario. Welcome to the Worship Gear Podcast, where we discuss all things worship and have special guests that dive into topics that will help you grow your Christian faith. Thank you for joining us on this new episode by your host, Diego Domingo. Welcome to another episode of the Worship Gear Podcast. I'm excited. We are joined by an amazing man of God, Pastor Sean Phillips from Urbanet Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us today, Pastor Sean. We want to talk a little bit about a, a semi-serious topic of what is our Christian response to the conflict and the things we see happening around us in terms of our neighbors, people that are maybe don't believe the same thing that we do. This relates to kind of the Israel-Palestine conflict that we kind of see happening at the moment. And there are so many opinions out there at the moment of people just coming against each other. But we know that as Christians, that we should love our neighbor because ultimately that is the great commission that, that Jesus gave us when the disciples asked him, what are we actually doing? What is our purpose here? And Jesus said, we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And the question then comes to is, who is our neighbor? Who are we loving? And I just want to open that up to you. And if you could help us understand the scripture a little bit, and I know you did a sermon recently on the Israel-Palestine conflict, and we don't want to go political. We're not yet to involve any politics in this, but as Christians, we know that we need to love each other. And how do we do that in this world filled with conflict? Well, great. Uh, so good to be here, Diego, and thank you for inviting me. And I love what, what is taking place here as you begin the formation of this Worship Gear podcast, which is not just about gear, but it's also about worship. It's a heart of worship. And as we were talking earlier, you're talking about having a couple of topics outside of what you call worship or worship gear, but really everything is worship. Every approach, every topic, everything that we do in our lives, all of us worship. So even our approach, I guess, to the Israel-Palestine conflict and any kind of conflict, I guess our approach and our response needs to be from a place of worship, from a place that gives worth to God. And if we're giving worth to God, we're giving worth to people because that's the teaching of Christ is to love God and love people, love your neighbor as yourself. And so I don't think that the two are ever disconnected. Uh, I think that they are wonderfully interconnected. So thanks for the the opportunity. And a few weeks ago, I did a message. I just felt in my heart, I don't normally go there because, you know, we live in a day and age where there are so many people with so many opinions, cancel culture, everybody has something to say about everything. In fact, last year, as I was getting ready to go into last year, and I was just praying and saying, God, what do you what, what do you want from me this year? What, what do I need to let go of? What do I need to deal with in my heart? And one of the things that I felt God say to me is that you need to let go of being 
opinionated about everything. And so I worked really hard last year at making sure that in every conversation, I actually had the approach of I choose not to have an opinion about everything. Help me to listen, help me to ask questions, and rather than just throwing out opinions, because I think it's one of the biggest dangers, you know, why is there war? Inevitably, when you think about war, war is two people who are in conflict with each other and they just happen to get a whole nation involved. Isn't that so true? It's like, you know, two presidents don't like each other and, and they decide to bomb to each other and everybody else has to fight on their bomb. They never die. They always sit in their little, you know, static palaces. And, and, and I'm not saying, I mean, I, I think that that is, um, you, you know, making things too simple. But the reality is that at the end of the day, there is war because we're not submitted to God. In fact, James chapter four says that, you know, talks about why is there war and strife. Man, and ultimately, his answer is because we're not submitted to God and we're not receiving from God the things that he wants to give to us. And so we're looking for it other places, through other yeah. means. And often those means is that is that you're my enemy because you have what I want and I want to take what I want rather than going to God. Yeah. You know, if you think of the Israel-Palestine conflict, one of the things I mentioned in my message is that it's never going to be solved if we're just analyzing the facts. Because who's right? Who's right? Yeah, who's everybody's wrong? right in their, in their own opinion. And everybody's got an opinion. Your... And it's not to say that maybe ultimately there's there an order of events, but I think it's far more nuanced than that. And so if all the world is doing is just looking at the facts, then it's never going to be solved. Because at the end of the day, no matter what the facts say, here are two groupings of people who desperately feel they need a place that they can call home. And surely there's a way yeah. for people to get on with one another. But it comes back to what you said about in James 4, which is ultimately was there because it's not, no one's submitting to God. And they're not submitting to, again, that great commission conversation that we just spoke about, because if they were loving their neighbors, because I mean, yeah. you've got in this Israel-Palestine conflict, they are literally neighbors. They are literally right next to each other. So the question is, where is the love? Why yeah. are they not doing it? And then how do we reciprocate that yet at home? Because we've got... Muslim people, we've got people, I mean, we live in a country that is so diverse in culture, that is so diverse in not only normal culture, but even religious culture. We've got Christians, we've got Hindus, we've got Muslims, and all of these people, again, like you say, have an opinion on this conflict. Your government has an opinion on this conflict, but we as Christians are called to love our neighbors. If a Muslim out there is going to walk down the street in our normal everyday life, we love them, we embrace them, we greet them. Why are we not doing the same when it comes to this conflict? We should, as Christians, be doing the same. We should be saying to them, it's not about the war. It's not about the politics of it. How can we embrace and help each other? I mean, in the Muslim community, they've got something great, um, Gift of the Givers. And I believe you have to give honor to where honor is due. And Gift of the Givers does great work. And we've got lots of Christian organizations that do the same. So... In this concept of loving one another, why can we not show Jesus in the way that we love each other? Why is there conflict? And I think that's the question that a lot of Christians need to answer for themselves, is we need to submit to God, and we need to know that we need to love our neighbors. And I think a little bit earlier in Matthew, Jesus speaks to a Samaritan woman, and she tells a story of, isn't the crumbs even worthy for a dog? That scripture verse. And the relation though that I read there is that the children of Israel are related to the Jews. 
and the dogs are related to the Gentiles, essentially. And there Jesus opens up the door for everybody else to receive the gospel and yeah. to receive the message because that message, his salvation, yeah. is for everybody. And that's where we need to come down to is that this conflict is there, yes, but the message of salvation is for everybody. So we should be loving everybody and embracing everybody and showing Jesus to everybody. And I think that's where people struggle. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, again, if you just take this war, because it's not just this war that's taking place. There's war and conflict all over the world. Yeah. The light has been shed right now on Israel-Palestine, but just a couple of months ago it was on Russia-Ukraine. But what people don't realize is that that becomes the central focus of the entire world. But we know that in Africa, for decades, there's been conflict in yeah. countries that have never been resolved, conflict between tribes, conflict between one another, conflict for power, and literally Thousands of people every day get murdered, tortured. I mean, you look at the numbers in, at Israel, Palestine, but you know, in some ways, that's almost happening on a daily basis yeah. in Africa and in various other parts of the world. And where's the spotlight on all of that? And, and I think the danger is that we can get caught up in just one thing and not realize that this is just one as a part of many different things that happen. And as Christians, I think that our heart in this conflict is more vested because we are descendants of the Jewish yeah. tribe, the Jewish nation, the promises of God. Over that, Israel has a place in our heart. And the danger in that is that we can even end up siding. And part of what I wanted to teach when I did the whole conflict is that our job isn't really about siding. It's about choosing righteousness. Yeah. So every innocent life matters. Every life matters. Every innocent person on both sides of the conflict matters, and we should care about that. We shouldn't have in our hearts, you know, this is unfortunately sometimes just the theological stance we can come from. Well, God's going to restore Israel to the Jewish people, and then Jesus is going to come again. So die Palestine. I, I hear Christians almost speak like that all the time. I'm like, hang on. Even if God was going to restore Israel to the Jewish people so that Jesus could come again, it's not going to be at the expense of, of wiping out all sorts of other innocent yeah. people. Like, where's our theology and all of that? Yeah. We can get so focused on all of this eschatological significance and, and all of that stuff in the Bible that we lose the basic value of Jesus' principles, which is to love one another, is to live at peace with one another. And we should really be praying that the Christians, the born-again believers who are living in Israel and Palestine, we should be praying for them that God can use them to bring the message of hope, the message of Christ into a dark broken, messed up scenario. Because if we want to see peace, the only way that we're going to find peace is when there's peace in the heart. And that's going to come through Christ. And so we can get involved in all the political nuances of all of this. It's not really going to lead us anywhere. I mean, there is still right and wrong. There is still righteousness. And we still need to look and try and discern about what is right in this and what is wrong in this. But we have to go deeper than that as believers, and, and we really have to focus on the task at hand. And the task at hand is that we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, pray for the peace of that nation. We need to pray for the believers that they will get the gospel 
out because yeah. the gospel is what will change a Jewish person, a Palestinian person, an atheist. The gospel is what changes lives yeah. and will ultimately bring peace. And if all we're doing is we're just hashtagging and commenting and throwing out opinions, well, they're not really going to bring solutions. 100%. So if I look at this practically, I want to take a step back to something you said. You hear a lot of Christians or some Christians that they have this opinion that God is going to restore Israel and therefore we should wipe out the Palestinians and things like that. As a, maybe not directly we should yeah, wipe out. We but, should. Uh, yeah, How yeah. do I as a Christian, if someone with that perspective walks up and we have a conversation, how do I practically approach a person like that in saying that we should love each other? What is the best approach for someone like that? I think there's so many different ways, I guess. I don't have the monopoly on on how to deal with it. <laughs> I think, number one, we should choose not to get involved in conversations that are not going to lead anywhere. No. What I've discovered about life is that we live in a world now, again, that is so opinionated and that is so emotionally driven that no matter how many facts you put out there, it doesn't matter. I'm driven by emotion and I'm driven by my opinion. So people on the left and the right, nobody's budging anymore. Have you noticed that? Like no one's even budging anymore. You, yeah, you, you know, the far left or a few far decades, right, a few decades ago, you could still have a discussion. Somebody might go, mm, you got a valid point. Oh, I'm going to have to rethink what I think. No one's prepared to compromise on that. And if there's no dialogue, How's there ever going to be peace? And so I don't think we should get involved in fueling the fire. Yeah. The whole Israel-Palestine thing, even the sermon, which was such a delicate sermon because I didn't want to get involved in the political side. I didn't even want to share my opinions. I don't want to share my opinions on whether I think that Israel's going to be restored physically before Jesus comes again or any of those eschatological significances because – at the end of the day, what God's going to do, he's going to do anyway, yeah. whether I believe it in the right way or the wrong way. My job is still the same, and that's to take the gospel, the good news, to all the corners of the world. I can have a ton of opinions about a ton of different things, but at the end of the day, God's still going to do what he wants. Yeah. And I think that when we're involved with people in discussions, I don't think we should jump down rabbit holes, and I think we should be less engaged in having a clash of opinions and more engaged in bringing people into the things that matter. Yeah. So what really matters here? If you're having a discussion or a robust debate with me and you want to argue about all sorts of different facts, what I'm really going to try and focus on is say, you know what, at the end of the day, we spent an hour debating facts. But nothing's changed. But 20 people have died. Yeah. Innocent people. We need to pray for that. We need to pray for those families. We need to pray that God's light penetrates that world so that they do not die without having an opportunity to know Jesus. That's the side that I'm on. It's I'm on the Jesus, side yeah. that carries the gospel yeah. into people's lives. And ultimately, the gospel, when it's lived out, brings peace. Yeah. We were sitting in church yesterday, and you mentioned that in your sermon, and you, you spoke another bit of a difficult one yesterday as well. But we are called to be disciples, and we are called to emulate who Jesus is and what he did. And through our lives, we need to live a life in such a way that when somebody else looks at our life, 
that they can see Jesus through us. And I think that's probably also a good way to answer that question that I asked is that how am I living? If somebody looks at me, instead of arguing with that person, instead of trying to debate and because like you said, rightly so, you either far left or you far right. No one's budging at the moment. And then yeah. we see across the globe through various topics, even, I mean, this identity crisis, the cancel culture, like you mentioned, everything is a political stance. What is my response? My response is to show Jesus. My response is to be the light in the world. I mean, my response is to be that light that somebody can see from a distance. And I think, like you said, if I don't engage in con that conversation and if I don't engage in the argument, but I show Jesus, yeah, then that is the ultimate answer. That is what somebody yeah. needs to see. Because it might not be that one person that I'm having a conversation with. It might be somebody else who's listening into the conversation. Maybe the Holy Spirit drops that little nudge in somebody's heart and says, maybe let me rethink about this. Let me just reevaluate and be Jesus to the world. Let me preach the message of salvation yeah. and take the gospel out there. In our connect group, we recently finished Act, and Paul's got an amazing story of how you so went through lots of conflict and lots of troubles. And he never hated the Romans. He never hated yeah. what they did to him. All he cared about was preaching the gospel. Yeah. I mean, a funny story I know with Paul is like he was stuck in jail and he was assigned a guard to kind of stand in them and they were in rotation. And Paul said, okay, fine. If you're going to stand here with me all night, I'm going to preach to you all night. Yes, At some a, point in time, yeah. you're going to hear the gospel. At some point in time, yeah. your heart's going to be turned. And I think, yeah. like you said, that's what we need to do. We need to preach the gospel. Yeah. So instead of having conversations about conflict and whose opinion is right, because like I said, yeah. everybody has their opinion, let's preach the gospel. We need to stay centered on the mission. What we do need to clarify is that the gospel doesn't necessarily bring peace as we understand it. I mean, just look at Jesus. You speak about me preaching a hard sermon about Jesus' call to discipleship, call out of the crowd. And essentially, that didn't make a lot of the crowd happy. Yeah. It was almost a bit of a dividing line where Jesus kind of thinned out the yeah. crowd, you know, thinned out the followers. And we know that the gospel can bring conflict. Not everybody received the gospel. Mm -hmm. And because of that, some people hated the Christians. It created all sorts of conflict. Yeah. But I think where the dividing line is, Jesus could speak the truth, yet love unreservedly. He could love people. He could even love sinners. That's why the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ loved us. He died for us. And so Jesus could love people, and yet the gospel could sometimes create conflict yeah. in people's lives. But he wasn't picking a fight. He was speaking truth and loving people. If we look at the conflict and the war, there's lots of evil taking place, and we need to speak truth to evil. I said this in my sermon, and I don't think this is a political statement. I think this is just a fact, is that Hamas, which is different to the Palestinians, Hamas is an evil organization. Just in their charter, it said there, I could unequivocally say that that is an evil organization. Yeah. But I still have to believe that God's got a plan to see them come to salvation. Yeah, and we can still pray for them. I've still, I've still got to believe that the gospel needs to get to them. Yeah. I've still got to believe that even though I hate everything that they do, that I can love them because they're a human being somehow. And how you find that love, how you find the ability to love your enemies, to bless those who persecute. Yeah. I, I think only the Holy Spirit can do that. And I think we must be careful about getting caught up in our emotions yeah. towards all these things and make sure we stay centered. And the Bible says we should pray for our enemies. Yeah. And stay centered in deep compassion, deep love, righteousness, truth, 
all of those things, but desperately wanting to see the gospel penetrate people's lives. And I think that's the ultimate answer to the question that we started off with is we need to love our neighbor. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for everyone, not only involved in this conflict, but for everyone. We need to want to see our neighbors reach salvation to kind of end off. We've got this lady in our connect group, for example, she was a Muslim. Somebody was praying for her. She essentially saw Christians living out their life. And then she wanted to find out more. And she started reading the Bible in secret and reading the Bible on her own. And through that, she found salvation. Through her life, she didn't know that her sister was actually watching her read the Bible and seeing the change that she had in her life. And her sister came to salvation. I mean, that's an amazing story of just somebody was living out Christ. Yeah. And a stranger saw that. Yeah. And through that, I mean, nobody preached to her. Nobody shared the Bible with her. Nobody shared the message of salvation for her. But somebody lived out Jesus, and she yeah. saw that. And that's all it takes. We don't need to convince anybody. The Holy Spirit's there. God's done the work. It is yeah. finished. And people just need to see this yeah. Jesus that we serve. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, and I think the approach is, again, as we live our lives before Christ, you're not the enemy. No. I'm going to have a fear based on my own insecurities. I think, you know, one of the things I said, a lot of the, the conflict in Israel and Palestine, I think for the average person just comes out of a fear. Well, if you're in charge, am I going to be okay? Yeah. And if you're in charge, am I going to be okay? And so now we have to become enemies out of a fear. And so fear drives us to want to guard our territory. But at the end of the day, we're going to be able to cast that aside and realize that you're not the enemy. The only enemy is the devil. And the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and yeah. powers. This fight that's happening is not just a physical fight. It's a spiritual battle for the lives and the souls of all people. And our job is to fight for the souls and the lives of people. Yeah, so good. So I just want to say thank you, Pastor Sean, for joining us and for giving us some insights into this conflict. And I think the ultimate message is... Let's bring the gospel to the world. That's ultimately... Stay focused on the mission, do. man. Yeah. Stay focused on the mission. So I want to say thank you again. Thank you. We will post the sermon that we mentioned a couple of times. If you want to go have a look at it in our show notes and in our, and our descriptions on our social media platforms. And thank you so much. And then we look forward to two more episodes. The Worship Gear podcast is produced by the Worship Gear production team. Video editing by Jason Hans. Audio editing artwork and music by Rebecca Funsale. If you'd like to support Worship Gear, you can visit the link in the show notes and subscribe to our social media channels. This is the Worship Gear podcast. Thank you for listening.